Welcome to another episode of the Be True to You podcast, a podcast designed to question what we've been taught, talk out perspectives, and break through to be our most true selves. I'm your host, B, and today I have Olivia joining the podcast. Olivia couldn't choose a song, so she chose an artist that encompasses her essence, and that is Lennon Stella. Olivia, welcome. Thank you. You are so having me. Of course. Now, I'm going to be asking you our traditional eight questions today so we can gain a little bit of perspective into to your life. Are you ready? I am ready. All right, here we go. Starting off with the three for one special. Who are you? What do you do? And is that where you want to be right now? Hi, um, I'm Olivia. <laughs> I'm almost 28 years old. Um, I live in Midlothian. My oh. husband, Colin, and our two dogs, Bear and Duchess. Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh, that's, and that's who I was dog sitting in the first episode. Yes. It was Duchess. I was in Olivia's home. Um, and it was very nice. To, it's a great little uh, living room. Had a little space like a studio. It was great. So cute. Yes. Um, I am a daughter. I'm a sister. I'm a wife. Hell yeah. Friend to many. My pronouns are she, her. Fun. Yeah. Um, where? Oh, sorry, what was the other question? What do you do? What do I do? Um, I'm an occupational therapist. So cool. I work in pediatrics. So you work with kids? Mm-hmm. I work with children every day. It's... A lot. Would you say that's like good birth control, maybe? Yes. Okay. Every day. Yes. I would. uh, Yes, I would say that for sure. Okay. Um, And am I where I want to be? I think in the grand scheme of things, yes. But I do think I could benefit some from some increased boundaries, specifically at work. Okay. Yeah, work has been tough recently. Um, I got a promotion at work, and that's come with. A lot of new responsibilities and a lot of weight right. that I'm trying to kind of rebalance. So it's been a little bit of a learning curve for that. But in general, yes, I'm happy with where I am. I like that. Um, and how long have you been an occupational therapist? Since 2020. So have you worked at the same place the whole time? Yes. Okay. So yeah. promotion there, but we're not feeling yes. the vibes. Are you thinking maybe of exploring elsewhere? Um, not right now. Okay. Yeah. But too many changes at once? Yeah, just too much going on. Yep, that's completely But fair. yeah, I think if I have, if I work on my boundaries, I think I can manage it. Good for you. And be in a better headspace. Good for you. Okay, cool. Well, I like that. So then let's move on to question number two, which is what is the biggest breakthrough you've had recently or of all time? Or both? Have yes. fun. Um, I would say that my self-worth is not tied to how productive I am. Mm. Um, I think, I don't know, when I was thinking about this question, I was thinking about how much work I've done in this area. Like I went to therapy and I was like, this is the main issue is like, if I'm not doing things, if I'm not like pouring a hundred percent of myself into everything all the time, I feel like I'm not doing it enough. And I feel like I'm not worth love just in like being who I am and just like existing. Mm. Um, and so this is an, an area that I continue to have to work on. Sure, of course. Um, yeah, and um, and I think that it's an area that I'll probably always have to work on because yeah. I think that some people just have stuff that they hold on to their whole lives, and I think it's just something I'm gonna have to continue to be aware of and like work on. That's fair. Um, I have two questions really quick. Yes. One: When did you realize that you were being maybe too productive? Oof. I think honestly, when I went to therapy, I was, I was, I went to therapy because I was like at a breaking point. I was like, this is, I can't do this. I'm not, I'm unwell. Right. What age was that? <laughs> um, gosh, I was probably 25. Okay. 
Yeah. Um, and my therapist was like, hey, like, did you know, like, you don't have to be like this? Like, did you know you can just, like, actually not give a crap? Right. And just, like, it's okay to not be super productive all the time. And, like, you're the only one holding yourself to those high standards. Like, yeah. nobody cares. Yeah. Kind of like Susan was saying, like, literally nobody gives a fuck nobody gives about a fuck. what you're doing. So just chill out. Like, right. it'll be all right. Like, it's okay. Like, this is on you. You are the one who does this to yourself kind of thing. Like, it was kind of a realization, like, nobody's actually asking me to, like, pour 110% of myself into everything that I do. It's it's me. It's yeah. my own stuff. Right. Um, so I think, yeah, that's kind of when I realized. Um, and then I did, like, a lot of just self-reflection during that period of, like, why am I like this? Like, what, what caused this? What caused my self-worth to be so tied to this productivity thing? Um, and I think... A lot of it comes down to, like, the way that I was raised. Um, I grew up in a household with two parents who were extremely hardworking and who valued hard work over yeah. pretty much everything. Right. Um, and working hard was always super reinforced in my household. Like, I got a lot of attention and a lot of props for, like, being a hard worker and, like, being good at things. Right. And so I think innate, you know, in, it, in itself, like, there's nothing wrong about that. There's nothing toxic about that environment. But I think from a young age, my, you know, your brain is so malleable. I think, like, I took that and I just went with it. I just yeah. rolled. Yes. And it became, like, this big thing that I, like, couldn't, I didn't have control over anymore. I yeah. was just, like, well, this is how I, this is what I do and this is what I'm good at and this is how I get attention and love and, like, I think it just kind of spiraled out of control without me really realizing how out of control it was. Yeah, that's fair. Um, was your parents, like, the type where, like, they didn't sit around on Sundays and watch TV? We were out in the yard. Out in the yard. You already know my dad. By 7 a.m., my dad is, he wakes up at probably 3.30 every morning. That's insane. I know. It's the middle of the night. That's what I'm saying. It's dark out there. Yes. Absolutely not. And he, if, like, by 8 o'clock, like, he will have already, like, gone on a run, done his whole morning routine, gone to work, watered the plants, come back. No. Like, it's a whole thing. Yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, maybe one we day. We did not sleep in. And, in fact, like, oh. it was frowned upon. Like, it was, like, right. you, like, even to this day, like, when my sister sleeps till like, God forbid, 8 a.m., my mom's like, oh, my gosh, you know. Wasting the day yeah, away. the day's already over. Oh. You might as well just go to bed. Oh, there was nothing worse than, like, it's, like, literally 9 o'clock on a Saturday and that door opening and my mom being like, is this what you plan on doing all day? And it's like, could you say good morning? Could you Could you just <laughs> be morning. like, hey, good morning. Yeah. Like, what's your plan for today? Like, we could start in so many different areas. I know. Um. Okay, so growing up, that's where we're at. Do you yeah. feel like maybe, and this is my second question, do you feel like maybe your productivity – as crazy as it was and where you grew up, has made you what became a doctor. Yes, and I think that's part of the problem. Yeah. Is that even in not just my personal life, but in the world, yes. it's highly reinforced to the grind. Like, that's the whole thing. It's like, you know, people now are like, hey, the grind's actually, like, not cool. Like, yeah. let's, <laughs> stop, let's stop making that a thing. Like, it's actually not good to just, right. continue, like, like – pour yourself into everything and like what do we get out of it like we're just uh, freaking mules yeah in like capitalism and just everything else like it's not actually helping anybody but also so. specifically doctors like I'm not yeah. even gonna lie yesterday we're leaving work it's like 4 30 and my supervisor is like oh it's fine we're not doctors this can ha- this can wait till Monday and yeah. I thought about you because mm-hmm. I was like well because I knew you were coming today but I was like I that's a really big stigma on doctors, like, yeah. to always be on, to always be on call, to always be prepared, and, yeah. like, 
So that I feel like definitely lines up with productivity. Yeah. Um, so what kind of like self-care things do you do to try to make sure that you're being balanced and setting those boundaries? Yeah, I would say like the biggest thing is just finding things that I like to do that don't have external value like in itself. Like, um, I don't know, if you think too hard about anything, it kind of has external value. Yeah. But, um, like, even just, like, going for a walk or something like that. I was that just, like, playing with like, the dogs. Yeah. Yeah, like, going to go into the park with the dogs or something like that doesn't, like, serve any purpose other than, like, just doing it to do it. Sure. Um, and so I think I, I try really hard to find things like that um, that bring intrinsic value to my life and that aren't something that is, like, something I can check off my list kind of thing. Yeah. Um, do you plan on being a mom one day? I do. Okay. Yeah. I think that... At least you've seen this. At least you know that you won't be the mom that opens the door. And yes. it's like, it's 8 a.m. Yes. What are you guys doing? Very true. Um, yeah. You know, I feel like it, it might have been a hard breakthrough to get through, but at least you're not going to pass that down, you know? Yeah. And I think, like, again, I don't think my parents, like, were malicious right. or, like, they never oh, yeah. told me, like, oh, if you don't do this, like, I don't love you. Right. Like, right. it was right, never, right. like, this, like surface level you know it was never yeah. like anything hard said to me easy. right yeah. it was just like and I think um being like a people pleaser yeah. and my mom's love language being acts of service I think like mm-hmm. had a really big impact on that developing because I think I learned from a very young age like to be very perceptive of people's needs yeah. and to make myself useful make myself useful is yes I think yeah. that's what like you had to be in my house maybe yes. not so much hardworking but useful you yeah. couldn't just be sitting around the house yeah um like if be... I saw like even as a child like as a child if I saw like plates not put away yes. or just like whatever there's wrappers on the floor like I like I noticed that and I addressed it right and then my mom reinforced that oh thank you so much for helping clean up like that's really helpful right you know and I think again in itself that that's not toxic it's not a problem right but I think when you are young Yes. And you don't know who you are and you don't have a lot of self-confidence and and that you're worthy in just being. Yeah. I think it's easy to like latch on to something like that and be like, well, this is how this is how I'm going to be a good person. This is how I'm going to like make my loved ones feel loved is I'm just going to like do a lot of things and be really helpful my whole life. Right. Dang. Yeah. Okay. What a breakthrough. Yeah. Any thoughts on like, I guess like what is the, what is the reward of that breakthrough yeah um and again I feel like this is an area that I'm still working on and I'll probably always work on I'll probably always fight this underlying urge to like be productive and and know that it's okay to not have days like that to not be productive right um I mean hopefully one day I get to a point where I don't have to convince myself that it's okay but you know I don't know we're we're taking a day we're still young bro we're still young yeah we're still learning it's gonna take a while But I would say, like, my relationships is the biggest reward because I think, um, you know, other people find, you know, prefer to be loved in other ways. Like, Colin's biggest thing is, like, quality time and physical touch. So, like, if I'm showing him how much I love him by, like, doing the dishes, like, he does not care. Like, that (laughs) does not make him feel loved. Um, And so I think it's, like, been something that has impacted my relationships because I'm like, oh, well, like, I'll just – do all these things for my friends and family and they'll know that I love them and they'll get value from that. And like, right. that's not always true. That's not. So I think like the biggest takeaway is like for my relationships, like being aware of 
you know, my desire to always do things for people and like how that's not always really loving them the way that they want to be loved. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's definitely had a big impact on my relationships have gotten better since I've kind of realized that. I think it also takes like a, a very self-aware and strong person to implement other people's love languages instead of giving your own and like being like, Oh, well like for me, like I, in the beginning when I first took the test, I was like an affirmation person before I was like in a serious relationship. And so I would affirm everybody Mm because I thought that that was what everybody wanted. But it's like, then you start to like really get to know people. And then it's like, Oh yeah, this person's his acts of service. Oh, this is person's his quality time. Right. Um, like I've never given Eva, one of my good friends, a gift in her life. Mm -hmm. Love you to pieces. Um, and that's fine. Cause as long as I'm quality timing it up, like we are, we are good to go. Yeah. Um, so I think that you taking that step and being like, Hmm, what is everybody else's love language is how can I be a better useful mm-hmm. like friend um also just makes you a better friend yeah um and you're the, one of the best we are I love Olivia oh, but thanks. don't worry about me um okay moving on to question number three what is the weirdest thing you do that makes complete sense to you but not to many people around you why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, I feel like I do a lot of weird things, but I think like one thing that my coworkers always make fun of me for is brushing my teeth at work. <sighs> you smart Because, bitch. listen, because yeah. you wake up and you do your morning routine or whatever, but if you're still drinking your coffee, which mm-hmm. usually I am. Always, yeah. Or I'm on my second cup sometimes. Yeah. Then I don't want to have coffee breath at work. Right. So I get to work and sometimes at like 9.30, I brush my teeth. That's and my coworkers see me coming out of the bathroom with my toothbrush, and they're like, huh? And you're like, is and your I'm mouth like, clean? Exactly. I'm like, I don't understand what the stigma is. Like, right. I'm the one with a clean mouth. Right. <laughs> but, but my coworkers always think it's so weird that I brush my teeth at work, and I literally keep a whole, like, little kit of, like, oral hygiene stuff. I love that. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I will say, I mean, as someone who's had the opportunity to work remote, like, that was probably one of my favorite things, yeah. even. Just because, like... That mid-morning brush. Yeah, you can do whatever. Like, yeah. I, if I'm... Exactly what you said... Like drinking my coffee, whatever, and then you can go brush your teeth. Right. So you're kind of doing the right thing. Yeah. That's they're just, how I feel. Yeah, I was gonna say they're just not hopping on board. Yeah, they're just that would be honestly very weird though if we all started brushing our teeth at work. Why? Yeah. I don't know. It's I feel really like that's, weird. that's they were breaking the stigma that everybody yeah. needs to do it. Okay. I feel like I'll bring it up. Especially if you're Next around staff meeting. And well, and also kids are just mean. Like you can already like some your breath Listen, ain't you know, miss kicking. They're I have, gonna let you know. I have a patient who makes comments about the bumps on my skin, a.k.a. my hormonal acne. Stop it. And she's like, why do you have all these bumps? And I'm like, listen, you little bitch. It's called hormones. One day you'll understand. You're lucky you're poor, okay? Life is so much easier for you. Oh my god! I know. They don't even, you know, they this don't mean it. No, but I know they like, don't. Oh my god! That's why I don't. I can't surround myself with yeah. children. Again, oh, dare birth you control. See? Yeah, that's absolutely. I don't need fair. anyone commenting on my hormonal acne. Absolutely not. Know? Not so. unless like we're cool. You right. know what I mean? And, and it's like helpful. Right. Not at work. Yeah. Leave this at home. <sighs> um. Okay. So, what is an activity that like you feel like helps connect to your best self? Um. I would say spending time with family. Oh, it's something that has always brought me joy and has always kind of been like a grounding thing for me. Um, when I was in college, I went home a lot and it was because it was very grounding for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I'm having a rough time, I'll just go out to my parents' house. They're a little like sanctuary. Yeah, it is pretty out in Montpelier. It's so quiet. Do you relax out there or do you feel like when you go out there, you kind of pick up on some old habits and are still being mm-hmm. a little productive? 
I would say I'm pretty good about relaxing good. out there, which is kind of surprising. I've actually never really thought about that, um, how that's changed. Like, my role in the household is yes. no longer to be a, p- a part of the maintenance. Right. So, She's already a homeowner, yeah, folks. I already got my I whole situation you. going yeah. on. I know. Yeah. I love your pieces, but I hate you. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think too. I'm pretty good about relaxing. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Okay, good. Because I feel like, um, and one time, I said one time, many a time, we've ventured out to Olivia's parents' house to use the hot tub. And so I feel like I've only seen you be in, like, yeah. a relaxed Chilling. state there. Yeah. Um, and it is. It's a very, like, what did you say, an oasis? Yeah, like it, a sanctuary. It's a sanctuary. That's quiet. the one you use. It's so it, quiet. It is. And one of my favorites is one of um, Olivia's dogs, Bear, We'll just take off into the woods. We're all just chilling in the hot tub. And you, and I just, I don't know. I love the dogs get to be free in those moments and just go out into the woods. And then Olivia will just go, bear. And then you just hear the leaves just crumbling as he's racing back towards us. Um, he is just so cute. Yeah, he loves it out there too. Um, so like, do you, when you hang out with your parents, do you guys do anything fun? Do you guys play games? Um, I mean, honestly, no. Like we don't do a lot of like, I don't know, like, fun stuff. Yeah. But we just, I feel like we have really important conversations. Um, yeah, we just talk about life. Um, and it wasn't always like that with my parents. Like, I don't, I feel like for a long time we didn't really have those conversations. But as I've gotten older, the more, you know, they want to talk about things. Yeah. And kind of, like, I think they enjoy my perspective. And it's always Aww. nice to talk to them, too, about, like, their perspectives on things. So, honestly, it's just kind of, like, some quality time. I was going to say, it sounds like adults hanging out instead of, like, yeah. going to see your parent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because, like, when I go home, it's very much, like, parent-child. Like, yeah. the adult ship still really isn't fully there. Yeah. So, I like hearing that at least you are getting able to, like, go home and relax as an adult. Because, yes. like, that's what we're supposed to be able to do, right. you know? Yeah. Okay, cool. I like that. All right. Question number four. What is a trauma that has shaped you or you're kind of still working to like fully break through? Yeah. So I had a similar experience to Susan when I read this question. Uh. And just in that, I'm like, I don't have any like stereo, like not stereotypical, but like your classic, like big T moments. Yeah. Like, um, obviously that's very fortunate. I'm very grateful to have never had experienced a big T. Yeah. Um, I think I've experienced some little T's, like some little traumas, um, but I think her experience, when she was sharing about her experience, it started, like, for me, like, I was starting to think about my college experience, and I was like, oh, shit, I really haven't thought about this in a while, but, like, I really <laughs> did not have a good first couple of years of college. Like, I, the background is kind of, like, I grew up playing competitive sports my whole life. I was super into soccer. Again, a huge piece of my identity was soccer and being good at soccer and working really hard at soccer <laughs> and doing soccer all the time. What position were you? Oh, gosh. I played defense mostly. Of course. Classic. Yeah. All right. Moving right Got along. Got defense. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and so when I went to college, I was like, okay, I'm going to play like D3 sports. Like I feel like I can't imagine my life without soccer. And so a big piece of why I went to Lynchburg College was for their D3 women's soccer team. Um, And I got there and I went through the whole preseason thing and it was horrible and I was (laughs) exhausted and emotionally drained and it was three days for like two weeks. And I got brought into the coach's office. He was like, great job. You made the team. And I was like, yeah, I don't want it. I was like, here's the thing. Like, I literally, I can't, I don't don't want it. I have never heard this story. Yeah. So... And it was kind of like an in-the-moment thing. Like, yeah. I had been thinking about it, like, 
I don't know, just you sacrifice so much of your time and energy on this sport and like yeah. there's so many other things there's so much more to life than just like one thing one interest yeah and even though it brought me so much joy and passion growing up and it was a huge part of my identity growing up um I just got to college and I was like is this really what I wanted for another four years like right. I don't think so like yeah. this is a lot of who I am and like I don't even know really who I am without it like, right 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 and college is supposed to be all about like trying new things and you know meeting new people right, and getting expected you know a um, new city everything yeah yeah so I got in the coach's office and he was and I had to be like I'm sorry like I gotta go <laughs> and he was like all right I mean okay right, right, like, right. he did not he was totally blindsided like he was yeah. just like what yeah no like, right like, Oh my god! It's like every movie when they get to Harvard, yeah, and they're yeah, like, just like Harvard. Three, Lynch Frank College, D three women's soccer, just like, like Harvard. Then it is because they're like, this isn't my dream. This is your yeah. dream, Dad. The classic yeah. high school it musical. It was kind yeah. of like a classic. Yeah, it was kind of like that. And um, it's funny because again, like I was holding myself to these standards. I thought I had this whole worked up like, oh, I'm gonna disappoint people when I quit and yada yada and I literally was like okay mom and dad like I'm not gonna do soccer anymore right and they were like okay screaming and I was like all right and that was it like nobody again nobody gave a single flag no but it's like the pressure we put on ourselves right yeah I mean to and so yeah so I quit soccer and then I was like all right well now what like Again, like, a huge part of my identity was being a soccer player. And it was something I was really good at. And I only do things I'm really good at. So, <laughs> like, you know, slim picking. Right, right, like, right, I was right. like, well, at this point, what am I going to do now? Yeah. What am I going to be good at? Right. Um, so my freshman year was just, like, not what I wanted it to be. Like, I just – it was different from what I expected. It was different than what I had planned. And it was just, like, a whole year of just being, like, what the hell? This is it? Like, yeah. this is my great college experience is, like, going to class and, like... This is it? This is it. Like, I'm just in Lynchburg, Virginia, and, like, <laughs> I don't... Like, you know, like, yeah. I was, like, uh... All right, like, okay, like, I guess this is it. Like, right. Um, so, like, I think my first year was a lot of just disappointment. And, again, just... I think I had high expectations for myself, for the right. experience. I've always had high expectations. They hype up college low-key. They really do. They really do. And I feel like for most people, it's like, it's okay. Like, it's all right. Yeah, But it's fine. not, like, the best thing that's ever happened to you. No. I've yeah. had more trauma at college than yeah. I can count. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Good times. Yeah. So... Yeah, I feel like it wasn't necessarily a traumatic experience my right. freshman year, but it was definitely, like, a very life-shaping, life-forming moment for me was, like, taking away something that was a huge piece of me and trying to figure out who I was. Right. And I think it was very stressful to not know, like, what the hell I was doing right. or to feel like, I don't know, like, what am I supposed to be doing? What am I supposed to be doing other than I, going to class? I, I don't know. feels like I'm supposed to be doing something else. It sounds like it. When you realized you had more free time on your hands, where were you dedicating that time? Oof. Honestly, I wasn't. That was a big part of the problem. But then again, back to being like, any moment of free time is supposed to be, I'm supposed to be doing something. Like, I was so uncomfortable. Like, I felt so unproductive and I was like this is terrible like all I'm doing is just like going to school and just like being here (laughs) right like I just felt so unsatisfied and Mm. so and like again like I think 
because I didn't find enough value in myself to just know that just being is enough and like you don't have to be like doing all these things all the time um was really difficult yeah Yeah. and it was just honestly I just remember being very uncomfortable like you know I was meeting a lot of new people I was having a lot of new experiences and it was just making me question like everything yeah I was like okay I don't have soccer anymore I'm getting exposure all this new stuff and I'm like well what the hell did I grow up on like you know I just started like questioning like pretty much everything I'd ever been taught which you know it's like I think a normal good experience to have in college is to be exposed to new things and to question your foundation but also it's extremely stressful right um and I'm a very like black and white practical person I like things in boxes I like to be decisive I like things to be clear and it became very apparent that every social issue I'd ever been taught was not black and white and it was not X or Y and it was very complicated and I felt I felt like I didn't I don't know I felt gypped like I felt like okay my parents just presented everything in this like clear direct manner and like it's not actually like that like life is super complicated and like I don't know I was like resentful for like being raised in a household that was like pretty just like directive and like we believe in God like this is what we're doing like this is right and wrong like this is why we believe these things like it was not posed as a question. Right. Like, it was just, like, this is what we believe. Yeah. Well, religion kinda... creates structure. I mean, that's right. what we had in my house. And I think that that was what my parents wanted because then you don't fuck up. Yes. Um, yeah. Like, you don't go do all these crazy things. You don't go have these experiences because, one, it goes against God. But also, two, like, goes against your parents and what they put in place for you. Yeah. So, and I think I was just creating that structure. Yeah. Like, my first year, not having soccer, not having – the foundational, like, belief system that I had believed in for so long. Like, I was just like, oh, my God, if I don't believe in this, like, if God's not real, then what the hell am I doing? You know what I mean? Like, I was having, like, an existential crisis my whole first year. Yeah. Um, And honestly, throughout college, like, was very just, like, I don't know, just uneasy, just unsteady, just felt like, again, I felt gypped. Like, I felt like life was presented in a certain way, and I was finding out, like, it was not as it was presented. Like, it's just – it's a lot more complicated than it than it was presented to me, and I felt mad about that. Like, I yeah. was angry at my parents. I was angry at just the way that I was raised because it was, I don't know, it was just not the whole truth. Right. And I felt mad about that. That's fair. Is there, like, was there ever, like, a person or a situation where you remember being like, that's not what I've been taught. Like hearing somebody give their opinion or their thought and you're like, that's not what I've been taught, but that makes more sense or that seems interesting. Like, do you remember any moments like that? Yeah, I actually, so after I quit soccer and I had that moment of just like, okay, I have kind of nothing going for me right now other than just like being at school, you know? Um, I actually joined a program called the Bonner Leader Program and it's like a service learning program. Um, It's 900 hours of community service and then it's like the service learning curriculum. Love community service. That ended up being, like, honestly, my saving grace for my college experience. Like, I met a lot of really cool people. I learned a lot, and it gave me a sense of purpose because I was doing things for the community. I fell in love with Lynchburg that way. Like, it ended up being, like, the Bonner program ended up basically saving my college experience. Like, it it made it come full circle. By the time I was graduating, I was like, great, great, great. Great great run, everybody. Yeah, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Um... What was I saying? Um, I just like, what was uh, a time where you feel like, yeah, yeah. Okay. So the Bonner program talks a lot about just like systemic 
health problems, barriers to being able to, you know, access things in the community. Um, and that was the first time I feel like people taught me about like systemic racism yeah. and not just like, I feel like I had a very like, oh, well, like this is the, my parents not racist because they don't say the N word. Right. And it's like, <laughs> you know, like, but it's like obviously so much more than right, that, but like minimal. no one had ever really been like, well, you know, think about that. Like what, what, like what systems are in place and like how is that actual system racist? And yeah. like that was a huge like learning experience for me, that program and just like breaking down like. Again, I thought, like, I was raised in a household. If you work hard enough and you put in the work and you work really hard, like, right. literally work, 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 yeah. then you can do anything. You can be anything. The American dream. Oh, the American dream. La, la, la. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> it's truly. Yeah, truly. Yeah, right. You like, know behind you. Like, there are so many other things. It's not just about working hard. People do want to get out of situations that they're in. They cannot get out. Yes. Like, if, if it was that easy, then literally why would anybody be impoverished? Why would anybody, like, be in unstable housing? Why would anybody choice. live in a food for Like, yeah. I was about to say food forest. Food desert. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Forest. I love that. That sounds that. nice. That's short pump right there. <laughs> the food forest. Yeah. So I think, like, that program was extremely challenged my belief system a lot. And I had a mentor there, and she made me feel so uncomfortable because she Good. was just, like, she just challenged me and I was like, and she was asking me questions about why I believe the things I did and I did not have the answers. Yeah. Like, I was like, I was like, I don't know, lady. Right. Like, this is what it is. Right. Like, I don't know. Like, God's real. Like, right. I don't know. Like, right. this is just. This is I, what I believe. Yeah. Like, yeah this yeah. is what I was told. Like, right. I don't know. Right. And it was, again, just very unsettling. Like, I felt like my whole foundation was just, like, shattered. Like, I was just like, what's real? What's not real? Yeah. Like. So I think, like, again, it was not a traumatic experience, but I think, like, it was See, extremely unsettling. Your, yeah. <laughs> I feel like, but no, even when I hear you talk about it, just to hear, like, oh, the shattered, the, the, like, panic in the head of, like, what the fuck am I really? That is traumatic. Yeah. I'm not saying it's the worst thing in the yes, world, yeah. but, like, I want to give you a little bit of credit because, like, that is something that we all go through of just yeah. kind of being shook up because the worst answer in the world is because my parents told me so. Right. Or my parents told me this, and they're like, you need to think for yourself. And right. it's like... Oh, shit, I do. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think that you should give yourself a little bit more credit because yeah. it is hard to come back from something like that. Yeah. Because you could have also just been like, eh, my parents told me this and I'm sticking with it. Right, right. You challenged yourself. And you want to do that. Yes. Like you just, oh, God, you're yeah. just, again, you're craving that. You're like, okay, I just have to hold on to that because I just have to believe that. Right. If that's, if this isn't true, then what else isn't true? Right. Like, everything is, could be false. Like, right. I don't know. Like, my whole life is just like, I don't know. But I think too, especially if your parents were as loving and caring, and, you know, and I, I know them and they are. Um, you know, as you were growing up, I think that too makes it harder when you find out yeah. that like maybe everything your parents told you isn't exactly maybe how it is in the world. Right. Um, and whereas for me, my parents, while loving, yes, um, we got a lot more trauma out of there. So mm -hmm. when I found out my parents weren't telling me everything that I was like, well, I ain't believing anything they say anymore. You know yeah. what I mean? It kind of went the full reverse. So I like hearing how your story, you were kind of just like, where do I go from here? Yeah. So where did you go from there? Oh, I had a lot of hard conversations yeah. with a lot of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I talked to my parents about a lot of things. Um, when I graduated from Bonner, we all had like a, like a moment. We had to do like a little speech kind of. Yeah. 
And I talked about a lot of that in my speech. And afterwards, my mom was kind of like, I don't know, she was like a little bit blindsided. Like she was kind of like a little bit hurt maybe. That like she was just like, oh, I didn't know you felt that way. Like, because again, it wasn't out of malice. It wasn't. I'm going to teach you this and I'm not going to expose you to any other things on right. purpose. Like right. It was, again, not intentionally malicious. And I think she felt like, in in some ways, she felt like a failure. Like, oh, you are not happy with how you were raised. Mm. And so that was, um, it was hard. It was hard for her. But I think, like, it was helpful for all of us to yes. kind of have that conversation so, yeah, I think I just took it from there, and I just had a lot of – I talked to a lot of people, and I still talk about a lot of things with a lot of people, like, yeah, all absolutely. the time yep. um, to just, like, unpack things um, I and not necessarily to find a resolution either. Right. Like, I was going to say, I appreciate you because you always get educated. Mm-hmm. You may not have all the answers, but you always try to learn all the facts from the entire, like, every point of the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's the Pisces in you, but it really is, like – to me, it's very role model-esque. Like, I very much appreciate someone who doesn't just say, like, who's come from a black and white environment and now is okay with going, okay, well, let's learn about the gray. Right. Let's just, let's dive into the gray. Right. Let's see what we've got. Yeah. Um, I appreciate that side of you, yeah. for sure. Thank you. You're welcome, Holmes. Um, okay, any more thoughts on that? I don't think so. Okay. Just in, I think, like, in life, like, just being flexible and being okay with being undecided about stuff yeah. has been a big takeaway for me. Like, yeah. just knowing thing, like, I don't have to make a decision about every the way I feel mm. about everything. I don't have to put everything in a little box. Yeah. Like, I might feel uncomfortable with this thing, and then I'm just, I just leave it over there, and I say, I don't <laughs> really know that, how I feel about that right now. Right. Like, and that's okay. Like, again, like, I think feeling uncomfortable and just being okay with that, yeah. knowing that it's okay to not have everything be in these nice little tiny boxes right. is a big part of life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And when we, um, me and Olivia once were in a book club together and we read Untamed by Glennon Doyle oh and Glennon said something really cool about kind of just like having everything in a glass and sometimes it's just kind of like, why don't we just let the water flow? Why mm-hmm. is it in glasses when we can, every, there can be two things happening at once. Right. Um, I was looking at a guy's LinkedIn the other day and it said, you can be a masterpiece and a work in progress all in one. And I was oh, like, man. I think that that's True. solid, yeah. you know? Yeah. All right, moving on to question number five. What are – actually, yeah, no, it's five. What are some common barriers that prevent people from being authentic and fully true to themselves? Yeah, I think there's a lot of barriers. I think that's part of the problem yeah. there are so many barriers. <laughs> um, but I feel like the biggest thing for me is just like self-doubt and fear, fear of the unknown. Yeah. Um, it's really unsettling to not know who you are. Um, and I think that's your first step is like figure out who you are so that you can take the steps, the next steps. But I feel like the biggest piece is like people don't are scared to, to dig in, to dig into that and to actually really be self-reflective. And cause yeah. it's not always pretty. Sometimes it's ugly. Like yeah. it's not cute that I have this terrible thought that I, if I'm not productive, I'm not worth of love. Right. Like that's not cute. Like right. I don't want to dig into that but right. like you have to or else you don't make progress you don't and you spread it too yeah and when it becomes a mentality and you are and I mean you are the, pe- the people you surround yourself with mm-hmm. so that means other people around you here then you being like oh and I did xyz this weekend and I feel so good because I was so productive and you right. say that every single day right people are like oh my god Olivia's so productive I've got mm-hmm. stuff at my game yeah you know what I mean yeah um but I think too just social environment mm-hmm. um Kind of what you were saying, just like how you were raised. Yeah. And what would you like say to people if they could hear you, if they were 
maybe kind of in similar situations as you? What would you say to them if they could hear you? Um, I would say take it one step at a time. Take it one day at a time. It's extremely overwhelming and unsettling to dig into that and to do the work that it requires to find out who you are and to like take steps to be that. Um, But just like do it one day at a time and get used to feeling uncomfortable Yeah, because life is uncomfortable and it's always going to be that way. Like we're always getting new information about the world and our lives and other people. And like, if you're not constantly reevaluating and reassessing your belief system in order to be a more adaptive human in the big scheme of things, like I feel like you're doing a disservice to yourself and to others. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Where do you stand with God today? Oof. Sorry, tough question. Yeah. Again, I think I, I'm going to put it in the undecided box, and I'm okay with that. Good like, I feel like I believe in the concept of that. Absolutely. Um, but I feel like I have a lot of issues with the Bible right. and Christianity. <laughs> yeah. And, again, I think it puts things in boxes that don't need to be in boxes. Yeah. I yeah. think would you say, like, because um, I, I, I find this is an interesting question, too. As someone who's married – did you ever talk about religion with Colin or was that ever a conversation? Yeah. Um, and part of our like premarital counseling was like, that was a topic. And that was like the biggest topic that both of us were like, this is actually something we don't really talk about. Yeah. And like, neither one of us like really wanted to unpack it. Like it was kind of like, we're both just kind of like, meh. Right. Like I want to get into spirituality. I think it's a huge part of being a human being. Sure. Um, but it's just been kind of, put aside for now until yeah. I have the energy to really unpack that. Yeah. And it's just, I'm just not ready. I just didn't know if that was like a conversation. Like Corey literally yeah. has like a Bible verse tattooed on him. And right. like every once in a while he'll make a comment about God and like right. God's got him. Yeah. And that always cracks me up because yeah. like I don't believe in that. But yeah. I do believe in spirituality. I yeah. do believe in the universe having your back. And I do believe that good things happen to good people. Yeah. Therefore, I understand what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Like I understand the intent behind it. And I think that that's how we can kind of come across as like being supportive of people in their spirituality. Yeah. I don't think it's wrong to believe in God. I don't think it's wrong to want that peace of mind. Right. Um, Because it really does help some people, Mm -hmm. especially people with really bad anxiety. Why wouldn't they want to believe that there's somewhere that they can go for doing the right things as they, well, some people don't really know what the right things are that are religious, but the right things to them. Um, That was wrong of me because everybody has different things, but I don't care. Um, (laughs) My stance is my stance. Uh, But I just, I like the idea of you questioning it. Yeah. Because I also know that growing up in a rural area like we did, the exposure was not there. Mm-hmm. Like, we weren't able to really question everything. Like you said, you lived in a sanctuary. Right. That far off the street. You know, you hung out with the people around you, but everybody there was like-minded. Right. Um, so being able to really, like, step out, go to a different city, talk to different people. Right. Um, instead of, like, growing up in the church. Mm-hmm. Like, even surrounded by church, all you hear is, like... God and religion and nobody there is questioning. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, I don't know where I was going with this rant, but yeah. I just wanted to see where you were. Yeah. Stuck with that. Yeah, I had that. Yeah. Absolutely. Undecide- it's in the undecided box for now. That's fine. I feel like I'm going to sneeze. I'm not going to lie to you, but it might pass. <laughs> um, okay. Question number six. I can feel it coming, but it won't. It's passing. It's passing. I'm so sorry about that. Okay. <laughs> okay. No sneezes. All right. Um, you find yourself in a space where you aren't able to be true to who you are. How do you respond? This is another area that I'm still working on because okay. I do feel like I still have underlying people-pleasing 
tendencies. Sure. Um, so if I'm in a situation where I don't feel comfortable, like, expressing something or being my true self, I feel like my instinct is to blend and to not cause a scene. Yeah. I don't like to be disruptive. And that's something that I'm working on because I, I think it's okay to be disruptive. I think it's a good thing to be disruptive. Yeah. It's toxic and not okay. Yeah. Um, and I think there are situations where you feel comfortable saying something and there are situations where you don't feel comfortable saying something. Um, with my parents, I call it like indirect cueing. Like I'll just be like, huh, I don't know about that. Like <laughs> I like, I won't like uh, directly address them. I'm like I'll just that. be like, hmm, that's interesting. I've never really thought about it that way. I think about it more like this, like just cool. kind of like being a little bit less like what, you know, like. I don't know. I think it's easy to get, like, very, like, direct with people when you're having conflict or you have a disagreement. But sometimes just, like, leaving a little reflective droplet, I think, just allows there to be space for, like, contemplation on both sides. Um, So that's kind of my go-to if I, like, don't feel comfortable with something, but I'm not really going to, like, I'm not really going to unpack whatever that person said to me. Right. Um, I'll just kind of be like, hmm, that's interesting. That's fair. And I I mean... Do you think, like, your sister and your siblings, like, have hard conversations with your parents the way that you do? Mm. Yes and no. Okay. I think, yeah, yes and no. I feel like they're getting more comfortable with it, and I think I've been an example of, like, how best to do that. Like, yeah. Um, I think sometimes my dad wants to have a conversation and it's more of like, I just want to talk about how I feel about something. And it's not like a real conversation between two people oh, with two okay. different belief systems. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm actually just going to share how I feel about the Biden administration. And you're, <coughs> you're just going to sit there and listen to and it. And I'll just say, Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. And then we'll let, let him unpack that later. Sure. But, um, so yes and no, I think some conversations. Yeah. Um, I will say like, and, and I'm sure it is, like you said, like it's tough to find the disruptive moments. But mm-hmm. I do want to give Olivia a shout out. We were at this stand-up comedian. And he was just doing some, some crowd work, asking for stuff. And he was talking about how, like, do women actually like to get hit on, like, in the street? And, like, Olivia, Olivia was quick to yell out, like, it because he said, like, is it really harassment or something like that? And Olivia was like, yeah, the line of harassment is pretty clear. That's harassment. Like, just immediately yelling back. And he was like, oh, I mean, really, is it? And she was like, yes. Like, women do not like that. And it was just very – so, like, you do stand up. Yeah. You do yeah. say things, especially, I think, for women. Yeah. Um, which I know you're passionate about. Yeah, for sure. I was like, sexual harassment is just, like, never cute. Like, I right. don't get the spin on that. Sometimes, and don't get me wrong, stand-up comedians can be funny, but those yeah. kinds of jokes are... I know. Something about that is yeah. just never funny to me. Never. It's um, one of those things. And then people are like, oh, boo, it's comedy. Get over yourself. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. See, I have so many thoughts when that happens. Yeah. Because I'm like... No, I can't even say it on this podcast. Like, no, like yeah. then nothing's ever happened to you. Yeah, you know what I mean. Exactly. In that way. Yeah. Um, to an extreme rate, because like, sure, we've all gotten yelled at in the street, right? But like, if you get actually like physically sexually assaulted, right. you're not, not finding it funny. Yeah, it's you cannot find it funny. Yeah. Um, so she does stand up. I would like to point that out. Maybe yes. not to, about the Biden administration to her parents, because God knows, like, everybody has their own opinions. Oh, but Lord. you definitely do stand up for yourself. Um, okay, so the question for this, this, like, the backup part of it, is, like, are you able to prepare yourself mentally, physically, if you're going into a space where you feel like you know you can't be fully true to yourself? Um, yes, yeah, I feel like I prepare myself pretty well. I think I know 
there are groups of people that you have to be around, whether it be like, you know, from your work or just like, like you don't choose to hang out with them necessarily, but they're yeah. just part of your life. Yeah. Um, and I think you definitely have to prepare yourself for those situations. Yes. Yeah. And I think when I know that there's going to be something of discussion, like, um, during like BLM with all, all of that, when all that was going on, like yeah. every single day in Richmond, like when I would go to see my parents, like I was like prepared, like I had my points presented. Like I was like, I'm not, I'm not coming to this ill prepared. Like right. I will have, I'll hit you with the facts real quick. Yes, ma'am. Because that was just like an area where I just knew if I didn't do my research, it was going to be like a, he said, she said, like, oh, we don't really know. And I was like, no, we know, though. Right. We actually have people that are eyewitnesses to these things right. that say it was peaceful or it was whatever. Yeah. Like, you're not going to, like, convince me that we don't know something. Right. right. Like, right. we do know, yeah. actually. Yep. So I think in certain situations, I definitely come prepared with yeah. points because I'm not going to be manipulated. But at the same time, like, again, props to you for getting educated and taking that back to your parents because mm-hmm. – um, granted I have two older sisters that kind of fought the fought like fight before me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't get as like as much of the intense questions and stuff like that. I feel like my middle sisters handled a lot of those conversations the best. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, which is interesting cause you're the middle child. Yeah. How fun. Um, Us middle children. Yeah. You guys really do it up big and I couldn't appreciate you more. <laughs> um, but I, I just think about like, you know, it's so hard to go against what your parents tell you mm-hmm. and what they know. And again, even though you got to move out into like a different city, a different part of the world, um, you know, they didn't. And right. they might have in their their 20s or whatever. But now wherever they are, they're kind of like hanging out. They're in their 50s, I'm assuming, yeah, maybe 60s, even 60s. Yeah. Go, go ahead. I know. Um, so I like that you were able to actually take that back and mm-hmm. say, you know what? Here are the facts. Like you guys aren't listening to this side. There's other perspectives to this. Right. Like I'm glad you're at least pushing yourself to go and take that home Mm -hmm. um and now listening to you even say like your favorite thing to do is to like hang out with your parents I know that's so like sometimes really different from me that's what I'm saying like that's a good thing because you should be surrounding yourself with different perspectives it shouldn't it can't be all the same right because then life is boring right I don't know maybe that's just personal no I think it's yeah I think it's important to be around people that are different from you yeah even if it's not fun sometimes like even if you're like oh you're being such a bitch why do you believe that right you know yeah but it's good for you it is good for you um no I agree perfect all right we're going on to question number seven which is what is the biggest takeaway in life in your life that has become now like your driving force in life hmm yeah I would say like I have a big heart for just like equality and like equal opportunity for things yeah um and again like I had to unlearn a lot of things when I was in college about just like what does equality really look like and is the system set up for equality and the answer is no (coughs) so you know like I feel the short answer is no um and I think like from a a day-to-day perspective like the work that I do every day as an OT like working with populations that are neurodiverse and like helping them to be more independent and like true acceptance of neurodiversity is like okay you're autistic like you're gonna stem like that's cool like that's you self-regulating like I'm not gonna tell you that that's not socially acceptable or teach you other coping mechanisms that are more like socially appropriate like I'm gonna let you be your true self like and I think that's a huge space where people don't have a lot of information on like just actually being like truly 
neuroacceptance of different populations and what that really looks like. And so I think from a day-to-day -day basis, that's kind of like where that equality piece kind of plays in for me is like working with the kids that I work with every day and just making sure that they feel comfortable to be who they are. Like, yeah. even if it's not what the world wants from them. Yeah. People would you say like them in a box and they're not going to be put in a box. Right. And then would you say like, you're an advocate almost for that child, especially yeah. when talking to the parent. Yeah. Because honestly, a lot of, the kiddos that I work with, like, the parent is a big barrier. Like, <laughs> like I'm serious. Like, oh these parents, God. they – and they're grieving. They thought yeah. their child was going to be somebody that they're maybe not going to be. And yeah. They, what they had planned and what they had expected is not what the reality is. And, like, I think, you know, I have to be very sympathetic to that experience, like, in the fact that they're grieving and that's valid. Right. But also, like, at some point you got to get over it and, yeah. like – move forward with the fact that your child is still your child right they still have tons of cool skills and their brain is just different and like yeah. it's not a bad thing it's nothing like you know I still have parents that say things like you know well are we how are we gonna fix it you know like the terminology and you're just like oh it's <sighs> so cringe like yeah. it's so upsetting um so a lot of what I do is like parent coaching on just like absolutely hey, like it's yeah this isn't this gonna is, be fixed yeah it's, this, this is gonna be adjusted his, to yeah like this yeah. is just his brain thinks differently like it's all right right he's gonna be all right right it's all good I think too there's just no prep for that in yeah the, in our world I yeah. mean even just thinking back there were no and I mean maybe there were and I just like didn't pick up on it but like there were no like special needs mm -hmm. like children in my like classes everybody they would go to a different classroom right. there was no exposure right um and my mom was a music therapist at children's hospital and while I was growing up and she would work there on Thursdays and during the summer I'd have to go with her. And that was where I truly got exposure to people mm -hmm. that were different than me in right. that kind of sense where like they aren't just a normal human out here with all of the capabilities. Right. And um, I just think it's really cool that you're able to be an advocate for them because yeah. they're not old enough to be able to be an advocate for themselves. Yeah. Um, and like what made you want to go like into that field? Yeah. Um, when I was in high school, my mom was like, hey, I was research. my mom's always like on her computer researching something random. Um, <laughs> and she was like, I found this like career, it's called like occupational therapy, like, this is what it is, I feel like you'd be really good at it. And so my mom is actually who like introduced me to the whole field. Um, and like, just right away, I was like, yeah, no, that checks. Like, I always knew I wanted to probably do something in the health field. I've always been a doer, a and someone yeah. who's helpful. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so it just kind of like, and I've always been a huge empath, so it just kind of aligned for me and I was like, this checks. And I feel like OT is like super into just like whatever that person wants to do. It's not like, oh, well you have to be able to dress yourself because that's just what it is. It's like, no, if you don't want to dress yourself, if you don't want to work on that and you're fine with like someone helping you with that or your whole, like, that's cool. Like, right. It's, it's very client centered. It's very like whatever you want to work on, that's what we're going to work on. Cool. Um, which I feel like is a really big, important piece of it is yeah. like, it's not just like trying to make you fit into this mold or like trying to make you be this person that functions in society. Like it's so much more than that. And so yeah. much it's like helping patients like learn what they want to do in their life. Like it's very much like, you know, that self-advocacy piece of, like, well, yeah. what do you want? Like, right. has anyone ever asked you? Like, do you yeah. actually give a crap about this? Is this a skill you need to learn or right. not? Like, I have so many parents that are like, oh, we want to work on handwriting. And I'm like, why? <laughs> when do you handwrite things? Right. Never. No. Who cares if this kid doesn't have, like, yeah. like you, you occasionally have to fill out a form at a doctor's office. Like, right. 
he's going to do fine with that. Like, right. let's teach him something that he actually gives a crap about. Right. And by that point, half the time you can type it in anyway or talk right. to somebody. Right. Exactly. I, like, like, there's so many resources out there to where, like, you don't need to learn skills that you don't care about right. anymore. Right. Like, it's, yeah. The world has changed so, so yes. much. Um, especially, yeah, like, likely. even, like, the people that are parents now, which usually can be, like, our age, a little bit older, mm-hmm. I'm shocked at some of the traditions that they're still hanging on to. Yeah. Like, cursive. Right. Um, let it go. I never learned cursive. I don't know. I, I think what? I think I might have skipped out. Like, you remember how I like was homeschooled for a moment? Uh huh. I think I might have skipped out on that. My that mom was like, "We're gonna teach you the Bible, but we won't teach you anything else." <laughs> when I say I got back to fourth grade and failed my first test and had to have my parents sign it because I didn't know a single thing about anything, that is crazy. Because first of all, I did learn cursive in the third grade, so that checks. I'm telling you, that timeline checks. Yes. I did not. I don't know cursive. Like, I know how to do my name barely. Yeah. I'm not kidding. When you, if you told me write this in cursive, I would literally not know how to do it. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know like a lot of the capital letters. Even like I didn't yeah. remember it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's useless. Um, it is useless. Like, sure, we all need a signature if you right. really want to press that. Um, but they don't really give a fuck about that anymore. Right. I literally no. just do a big B and a, yeah. a squiggle. What the hell is that? A gnat? Ew. <laughs> get back to that later. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't like bugs at all. I have very big PTSD from bugs. Anyway. Um, okay. Well, yeah, that checks. What were we talking about? I got so distracted by that. Uh, that how foul. I didn't learn anything in my homeschool. Oh, right. Cursive. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Well, you know, well, then I guess that would make sense then for you, who maybe who uh, was in a homeschool environment, maybe didn't uh, have as much independence growing up. Yeah. Now wanting to be an advocate for those people. Yeah. Would you say that's maybe yeah. correlating? Yeah. I definitely think so. Cool. Yeah. All right, last question, um, and this one is going to be the eighth question that you get to ask the audience. What's a question that you would like to ask the audience listening today? Um, I would say, what's something that you can do for yourself today that has no external value? It does has nothing to do with checking anything off a list, mm. but that brings you intrinsic joy, um, and it's just something you're going to do for yourself for, hmm. no, for no reason, just for just to do, just to be. Because What's, you're worth that. What would what would you say you would do for yourself? Oh my god! Yeah, really turning the tables back. Around. Well, that's well. I was thinking to myself, and I was like, oh, <clears throat> like tonight I'm I'm gonna go paint for one of my friends' birthdays, mm-hmm. and we all got you know canvases, paint, whatever. Sure. And I think that'll be like a really fun, like it's not checking anything off. It's yeah. just we're gonna go re- let loose and just have fun, yeah. smoke a blunt. Yeah. But like, what about I you today? Probably a cocktail on the back deck. Yeah. If I were to, oh if I were to think of something to do. It's such a cute little spot yeah. in the back. Also, I don't know if you were watching the cameras. Funniest thing happened when I first got there. One of those like poles, like right when you come down the stairs, uh-huh. and it's like a small like little, whatever it's called, like uh-huh. a you know. Yes, a, I know what you mean. Thank you. That got knocked out because, like, whatever, whatever toy I threw, like, somehow landed, like, right on it. And Duchess, like, jumped on it and it went out. Yeah. And I literally – and, you know, people have cameras. You can't help it. I literally look at the camera and I'm like, I'm so sorry. You watch me go into the shed. I get, like, a small shovel. I put it – I, like, dig it back in and put it back together. And the whole time I was like, I wonder if they're going to watch this. Like, me literally sneaking in your shed. Like, Duchess running around. And I was like, excuse me, Duchess. Like, putting it back in together. Um, and I was like, I wonder if you saw that. Did you ever check the cameras? I mean, I got the notifications, but I didn't really watch them. Boo! We had so much fun. Yeah. I Um, mean, that thing goes off like 700 times a day. That's very fair. A squirrel runs by and it's like, alert! Well, you do it the best. Hi, the doggy door. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's a must. It's a saving grace. Yes. I don't understand how people 
live without doggy doors, especially when you have mm-hmm. a fenced-in backyard. I know. It's wonderful. Um, okay, cocktail on the back porch. Yes. What kind of cocktail are we talking? Mm, maybe a Moscow Mule. Okay, queen. This was she yelled when you were yelling at the stand-up comedian. She was a <laughs> Moscow Mule. <laughs> so let it go. Catch me hollers. Oh, that's what it, And we go out next Saturday. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm excited. Um, okay, Liv, any last Final thoughts? I don't think so. Just thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, Holmes. I love your story, and I've always just loved you as a person. Um, And so it's just an honor to have you sit here in this very cold room with me um, as we discuss. All the love, homies, forever and always. Have a great rest of your day, and don't forget to be true to you.